welcome to the Spirit Guide Society podcast. My name is Pedro Shanahan, and I'm your spirit guide. Tonight in the Mezcal Collective at Las Perlas in downtown Los Angeles, we were hosting Michael Tesseract from Resperal Mezcal, who brought in this incredible line of artisanal, ancestral-style mezcals. We tried two different female master mezcaleros tonight. Berta, what's Berta's last name? Berta Vasquez. Berta Vasquez and Rihanna... Sanchez. Sanchez. The stuff that Bird is making is all coming from Chichicapas, legendary Mezcal uh, village, known, made famous by the Del Maguey stuff first, but this is really, really great stuff. And then also some stuff from San Balthazar de Guavila. So tell your friends about the Spirit Guide Society podcast if they want to learn more about the spirits that they love. Always remember to enjoy this podcast responsibly. That means don't drink in bed. Don't smoke in bed. The rule is you got to get out of bed before you can do that stuff, okay? Because that's just more responsible. Cheers to you. So, Michael, tell us a little bit of the story of this brand here. And welcome to the Mezcal Collective Spirits Society podcast here. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Um, so, the brand was started by Alex Maza. And his idea was to try to maintain some of these ancestral mezcals that we normally would not see in the United States because they're made in very small quantities. And by doing that, you have to work with several different people. Um, many of these families had made, made these products for many, many generations, but it was only for personal use or it was just sold within the village where they were. And the way you can do that is we create a line and you have those mezcaleros make you small batches. Um, we, will we will have several of those with us today. Now, you were talking like these, these families have been having their little tiny palinkis in their village and they make it basically for their village, maybe not even to sell for profit as much as just kind of like it's the spirit of the people, it's intrinsic part of their culture, they're sharing it within their uh, communities often, you know, not really exchanging money, but maybe trading for, who knows, foodstuffs or, or services yeah. or... It, it could have been, you were trading, you were, some people made mezcal, some people grew food, and maybe you traded, you traded mezcal for food or, you know, whatever the case may be, and many remote villages within Oaxaca. And that's traditional. For hundreds of years, people have been doing that this way with often using very small clay pot uh, distillation techniques or sometimes little copper pot, Olympic stills, those yes. all kinds of different stills. Correct. Correct. And um, some of it may seem pretty primitive, but that is how, why, why, why break from tradition if you don't have to? And if it's good, Absolutely. don't don't screw it up. Absolutely. And so you you've gone into these villages. How in the how in the hell do you even find these people? It's not like that. You're you're talking about remote areas of Oaxaca. You kind of have to know what you're looking for. I mean, you could go for a day and not find a villager. You know, those places are pretty remote from each other. A lot of times, those villagers they have to walk from village to village, and they a lot yeah. of the native folks they they walk for like eight hours a day just doing their basics. You know, like transporting water or food to get back home, you know? It's, how, how did you find these guys? Well, I mean, so Alex, Alex is really the guy that found them. I am, I am the distributor for these products here in, in California. But Alex 
through referrals, you find out these people make great mezcal here. So with the different mezcalera or mezcaleros that, that he has found, he just learned that, well, they, they're making quality products and we'll just, we'll see what we can do um, based on, you know, what he had tasted there. He loved what he had tasted and then they referred him to somebody else. And so and it's, there's no walking from village to village. Not for him. No. <laughs> he had somebody with a truck, probably. Yes, absolutely. And, and it's traditional, like, because not everybody has, you know, automobiles down there. So when I was down there, like, if we passed somebody walking on the road, we'd be traveling in these little, you know, heavy-duty light trucks. Yes. If that makes sense. Small trucks that are very heavy-duty for those back roads. And we're just, every time we passed somebody, if they were walking, we were just picking them up and throwing them in the back of the, the truck with us. And it was, public transport is basically any truck rolling down the road. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, yeah, very rural, very um, agave everywhere. Um, you know, villages where there's 500 people in the village, but that's the first village you've seen for quite some time. Right. Incredible stuff. So what's Alex's background? How did he get into the idea of like searching out these ancestral styles with these artisanal um, makers? Well, so I've never actually met Alex and nobody at Sacred Thirst who we distribute these has actually met Alex. We just got samples sent to us. We love the products. We were already working with another brand, Cinco Sentidos, which was in a similar vein. And we were really excited about all of these different individual mezcals that we had tasted right. so um so i don't know the exact story of alex's background to be honest mm -hmm. and so they just they came to you or like we need distribution but you you haven't gone down there and checked out the operation yet I, or anything i have uh so specifically out of the one the one of these that we're tasting today i have visited berta vasquez which is the first two products that we will taste okay who is uh a 62 year old uh woman who is as in her 60, excuse me, 64 year old woman who had five kids. Her husband died. He was, and so she took over making the, me, the mezcal. Wow. From him at that point, because she had to figure something out. Um, and now. And she had the stills. She had, she had everything all set up. Um, and now people rent property from, or rent her palenque from her. Oh, really? So. Where is that located? Uh, San, San Balthazar Guevela. Okay. So. Um, and also very, not as remote as some of the other ones, right. um, but still remote. So how far is San Balthazar de, Gue de Guevila, uh, in relation to Oaxaca city? Uh, roughly an hour. Okay. Yeah. And so you go out there now, give us a visual on what the place looks like. Like, um, how do they, you know, is it. Is it a little compound or is it just like a ranch house with a still next to it or what's it like? Well, so her palenca, she is, she is located within the town, but the palenca is outside of the town a little ways. Uh, I don't remember exactly how far, 20 minutes maybe. Yeah, mezcal will do that for you. <laughs> well, there's a lot of mezcal to taste. And even after the amazing lunch that she made us and in her, in her small little kitchen, and she told us that her and her friends drank... Uh, a crazy amount of mezcal the night before and she wasn't hung over or anything. Oh my. Felt great for, you know. <laughs> Power on. That's right. But it has horse-drawn tahona. Mm -hmm. um, so they're crushing the roasted agaves with a, with a horse-drawn stone wheel. Correct. Um, and is it conical earthen oven? 
Uh, it is a clay a clay oven. Okay. So um, where they're where they're roasting the pinas? Yes, yes. Okay. So um, which is all all in the same facility. Mm-hmm. So they're roasting it in a clay oven, and then they're using copper pot distillation. Uh, copper pot distillation. Yes. Cool. And in this little village, how much are they able to make per batch? You know. It's going to vary batch to batch, um, just depending on how much how much product that they have to use. And sometimes they're going to they'll want to make um, a single agave, or they'll make an ensemble. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be anywhere from sixty bottles in a batch to two hundred and fifty bottles. Wow! But rarely much more than that. So you guys are releasing really really small bottlings. Yes. So what's this first spirit that you brought in tonight for us to taste? So the first one is from Berta Vasquez, which, who I mentioned earlier, one of the Mezcaleras, um, 64 years old. Um, this is Espadine, which um, I think of, of Espadine as can be really, really great or it can be really, really boring, depending on... on uh, and so depending on your view of, of uh, different agaves. By boring, what, what, what would you describe as a boring mezcal? One that doesn't get you drunk? <laughs> no, one that, one that, it's just the simplest flavors possible. Shortest finish, mm-hmm. easy to make sweeter. You, the sweetness can cover up a lot of the intric, intricate uh, nuances within it. Speaking of which, do you guys add any sugar to your distillate? No sugar. Everything is everything is uh, natural. So, how do they bring it down to proof? Are they using the tails to bring it down to proof, or they add water to the mezcal? Uh, no, this is. I mean, most of these vary in. So, from forty-three to forty-eight percent for the most part. Oh, so you're so, just bottling as hot as they come in? Yeah. Wow. But it's and it's that makes it tougher to maintain the balance. Um, but as you'll see. Quality is is all right. Is there. So let's taste it. What is the name of this first expression that Berta so puts together for it's us? A hundred percent Espadine, mm-hmm. and it's just called Espadine. Yes, this one, the Risperal Risperal Espadine, and the, this edition doesn't have its own subtitle here. Uh, well, so as you can see, the the different labels here, um, we have ser- there has been four series released so far. Um, we have three bottles that are from series three and you have two bottles from series four, slightly different label change. Um, but the information is very much the same, uh, on the front of the bottles. All right. So let's find out a little bit more about this Espadine from Resperal made by Berta. What's Berta's last name? Vasquez. Berta Vasquez, Master Mezcalera in San Baltazar de Guevila. Is that how you say it? Mm Mm-hmm. And all of the information is listed on the front. Yeah, the the, the labels are quite in, like very intricate, and unfortunately, it's a bit dark here at Las Perlas downtown Los Angeles, which we love, but it makes it hard for uh, reading, among yep. other things. <laughs> Standing up without a swerve. All right. Um, <laughs> so stick your nose in that glass, breathe in gently through your mouth. What food words come to mind? This is what proof? 
It doesn't uh, smell that hot to me. It's not, it does seem- not. I can't remember exactly off the top of my head, but and it's so small to read. <laughs> and like you said, the light is uh, low. Um, I'll, I'll try here. I've got a ubiquitous phone device with a handy built-in flashlight. Look at me. I'm 21st century. Distilled in 2018. I can't read what the damn proof is. Well, gosh, darn it. Another mezcal mystery. Let's get into it anyway. <laughs> so kind of gluey. Definitely got a beautiful vegetal quality. I'm, I'm getting a, a cool like minerality and earthiness. It smells like chilies and, and dirt. And it's like a little bit... Um, kind of barbecued meat in there and some chocolate on the nose. It was really complex. So now let's tap some over your tongue. How does that experience change? Mm. Wow. Oh, quite fruity, actually. Oh, yeah. So I'm getting like ferns and plums and chilies. There's a lot going on there. But really beautiful mouthfeel. It's got some floral, fruity qualities at the end. But it's not spiky. It's really smooth, you know? Like a lot of times, you know, are they resting this mezcal before it comes to market? Uh, depends on the, I mean, depends really on the demand for it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to vary a little bit each time. But we're not resting it for a long period of time, for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, no more than six months I mean at the most I would guess um, but that's it's probably gonna vary on uh, how much demand there is for a certain varietal or it's not cloyingly smoky it's like it's it's balanced in its smoke it's not super crazy smoke it's got a nice nice taste what is the bottle press on this if I was going to find a bottle of this respiral Espadine um, in my local liquor store what, it's how gonna much be, should it be it's gonna be around 95 to 100 dollars a bottle mm. Wow, that is excellent. Really, really beautiful stuff. And then the other product that Berta Vasquez is making down there is this. So, yes, yeah, so this is um, uh, a blend of Tobala and Tobaziche. Wow. So some really older, it can be much older agaves, right? Both the Tobaziche and Tobala can take longer to mature, right? A little bit longer than Espadine. Espadine, you know, Eight to ten years, uh, ten years being the max, I would say. Uh, Tobala Tobaziche, maybe a couple more years more than that. So uh, Tobaziche, much um, much different looking agave as well, and often more herbaceous overall. Well, don't predestine it. Who knows? Uh, could be, yeah. Well, we'll see will, what it... will you be the judge? That last one like, definitely had like a barbecue meat thing going on there, like some... like. Uh... Uh, grilled meats, you know, smokiness, but in a very, very balanced state. It wasn't overwhelming with the smoke. I agree. I wouldn't. I would not call that one. So a lot of the complaint that I hear from people that haven't had enough mezcal or haven't tasted enough is that it's too. I don't like the smoke. That's like the first initial thing, and I would not put that in a smoky category it's not, at all. Yeah, it's if you have had. A good amount of mezcal, which I have, at least, I mean, not today, uh, all at once, but uh, hmm. this is not, that first, the Espadine, the Respiral Espadine is not super smoky. It's actually very balanced. Do we know, uh, we've got the map behind us. 
Can you point to a little bit of where the area is? Do you remember? Uh, I cannot without looking at a map myself. Okay. All <laughs> right. This is an no- artist rendering. All right. So let's get into this Tobala Tobasichi. Do you know what the percentages is? Are the percentages are in terms of uh, how much Tobala as opposed to the Tobasichi? I do not know. And a lot of times, if we ask the Mescalera, Mescalera, it's really just a, a guess for the most part. On right. their parts, they're not worried about that stuff not, so much. Yeah, they're not. I mean, it's it really it's weight. This how they would have to determine it, and I, I think honestly think sometimes they don't, they don't think about it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, until the gringos came along, and started asking these weird, ridiculous questions that they had never even worried about it. Well, that's what we got, and that's what we're throwing yeah. in there. They're and, using you know. what they have. That using what's ready. What's yeah. ready. What's mature. So stick your nose in that glass. What are you getting on that one? I'm getting like this this kind of grilled pineapple thing happening here. Definitely a little fruitier than than the ah, sweet smelling, but earthy. You got that uh, petrichor, pepper. Wow! All right, now tap some over your tongue. What do you think, Michael? What does it taste like, Andrew? You should be drinking with us. Producer's job is never done. You got to drink. Definitely more texture. I'm getting like melon, like a cantaloupe, and then like prickly pear, and then really dark green finish. Like, oh, beautiful, really earthy, great mineral quality. Again, like those ferns, bitter cocoa, like baker's chocolate. Really, really good. That's amazing. Oh, that's a favorite there. I could snuggle up with the balalette for one evening at least. Come home with me, my dear. <laughs> It's not creepy at all. It's just me talking to my mezcal. Get off my back, man. Wonderful. For me, it's definitely a little edgier than the first one. Is this considerably higher priced than the Espanin? Uh Yeah, you're looking at uh, about 115 to 125 somewhere in there. Can we see the proof point on this bottle? We're still just swinging in the know. dark here. Let's, uh, let's see if we can read anything. Alex, if you're watching, please call us right now. My phone number is bleep, 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 bleep. I want to say it's down here somewhere on the bottom, and I just can't read I want to say that too, but I'm really not sure. <laughs> but this is exactly how it looks right there. It's a cool little artist rendering. <laughs> Of the valley of San Balthazar de Guavila. I hope I'm saying that right. I kind of doubt it. Um, This third mark, what is this one here? So this is from Arilo. The next two are both from Arilo Hernandez. Okay. Different village? uh, Same village. Same village. Are these folks related? Are they cousins or friends or Uh, small villages? They probably know each other at least. They probably know each other, but... uh, um, yeah, not, to, I mean, they could be related. I don't know. <laughs> um, but so we had Tobala uh, in this last one. And as well as the Tobaziche, this is 100% Tobala. Oh, wow. So um, so wrap your head around that. So the Espadine, this big, huge, spiky plant, mm-hmm. long fronds, a big, huge, fat heart. Like mm-hmm. the pina that they pull once they cut off the fronds. It can, an espadine can be, you know, maybe 115 kilos, maybe 150 kilos, really big, like a big hefty pina for one person to carry. And yep. they quarter it, in fact, just to make it a little easier on the back. Mm-hmm. But these tobalas, they can reach maturity and be no bigger than a basketball. 
yeah. or even smaller, like a volleyball, and yeah. be fully mature. Yeah. So a lot more of those that green outer leaf area as opposed to pulp, whereas a pina from an espadine, once you take the fronds off, you're really just down to the pina itself. It's just the heart. Mm-hmm. So it's understandable why one might have substantial more character than another when you when you have all that like skin mm-hmm. as opposed to just the flesh of the inside of the heart so very very different flavor profiles coming out of the the different varietals so let's taste some of those tobala i already have a feeling and i'm gonna love it me too yeah i love tobala and tobala loves you <laughs> so um how many years for a tobala to come to full maturity uh, 10 to 12 is a good, uh, it says on here, I believe, in tiny letters here at the top. Uh, 10 years, it says. So Beautiful. Yeah. So stick your nose in this glass from Ariello. Aureliano. Aureliano. What's his last name? Hernandez. Aureliano Hernandez. And this is in South, San Balthazar, did Guavilla Tambien? Mm-hmm. Wow. Ooh, that smells delicious. I'm getting, again, it's got some kind of crazy melon thing. I smell like watermelon. Yeah, definitely smoky. So watermelon and like, yeah. The, like smoked watermelon. What a beautiful thing. Now tap some over your tongue. Mm. Like a huge herbaceousness, like these beautiful green vegetal and floral flavors and colors coming through. Mm. Really beautiful, like coffee mm-hmm. and chocolate on the finish, like dark, like a mocha, you know? It's really, really beautiful. Mm. And then like very drying at the finish, you it's know? It's dry, but it's, compared to our last one, a little softer. Mm-hmm. Like a butteriness too. Mm-hmm. Wow, that is an amazing tobala. Uh, how much is that going to run me if I was able to track bottle that down? Uh, same price as the Tobala Tobaziche, so one one fifteen to one twenty five, depending on the store. And are you guys currently just available in Southern California right now? No, these they're also available in Northern California. Um, I know they're in New York as well. Um, I know like Aster Wine and Spirits is one retailer that I know of in New York, but. Um, other states, I don't know exactly, because originally Alex started in New York. Um, we have been distributing them here for since the beginning of this year, so it's only been a short amount of time. Um, so really small batches done by really small producers. Um, you know, if you look like I've seen some of these lists re- recently of like hot new bars all around the world and like... I noticed that there's like a bunch of hot bars in London right now that are mezcal bars. Are you guys like selling mezcal in London? Uh, I think that it's starting to get to that point. That's nothing like happening in Southern California, but um, there are, it is, it is demand. Um, I know that I have retailers, like there's a retailer in, in, in Costa Mesa who ships all over the world. She ships to people that are looking for these specific items or uh, another brand that we carry as well. It's really brilliant, magical juice here. Is, are these 
both Berta and Aureliano, are they producing Mezcal for other brands as well or just for you guys? No, just for us. But occasionally there are people, not that, not in the world taste today, but there are some people that have enough or they make enough. They could create their own brand, um, but still would be a very small brand, mm-hmm. you know, because there's no large production facilities of any kind. So you visited these plankies. Are they doing uh, like open air fermentation, like big wooden tinas, or how are they creating their mosto that they're going to throw into the still? Um, the, <laughs> uh, we just blew out the candle there. It's okay. We can make <laughs> we can make flame. We have the technology. Um, so it is it is open air. Mm-hmm. Um, it is uh, and storage storage vessels are. You know the products that we're going to taste once they're finished. It's really just in a small carboy that's in a in a like somebody's a, house in a garage yeah. Yeah, or yeah. outside the house. So it's and. You look in here, and this is what's available. And you taste out of, you know, there's, they're just tasting you out of these little jugs. Yeah. That are large. Yeah, they have these like big water carboys, the same yeah. containers that they get issued by the government to hold the water in is yes. what they're storing their mezcal in, which are, um, they're, what did they call them when they're non leaching plastics? There's no like yeah. chemical exchange going on there. Correct. They're safe to put distillates in, they're not going to pull chemicals out of the plastic. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, it's, it's a pretty basic operation. Exactly, exactly. And, uh, and, Different. You can have different processes from different uh, ways to make things versus each each different mescalero. Um, from hand wooden mallets mashing. To, yeah, like baseball bats, essentially. To the tahona that we mentioned. Right. Yeah. Do you know if he's using a conical earthen oven, like a yes. pit in the ground, to roast his uh, agaves? Yes. And just making tobala. Have you uh, tried any of his Espadine stuff? Does he make um, any Espadine or Ensembles or anything like that? We have a coyote coming up next. That, that we, he made? Yes. So, oh. So we will taste that next. Okay. Um, there are other products, too, that we get periodically throughout the year, but um, we are yet to see those yet. So. so you're doing really limited releases, though? Yes. I. You know, to give an example, a lot of times coming into California, we might get 90 bottles, 60 bottles, something like that. Um, some of it's going to New York out of that batch, or sometimes we get the whole batch to wow. come to California. So it just, it, it's going to depend on how much was made and, and what our demand is at this time. So, Right on. Uh, so this fourth mark here, the Coyote, this is also Aureliano Hernandez mm-hmm. in San Balthazar de Guavila. Correct. We have sold this one the whole year we've had it. Okay. So um, how many bottles were in this batch here then? You've had it all year. It must have been a pretty uh, good sized batch. A, I, but we've sold most of it though. Um, I don't remember the exact quantity that we used or that we had for this batch, um, but we have... We've went through a fair amount of it. Well, cheers. Cheers. Stichy Bayou. Wow. That is some... It's like I smell like a big minerally lake. It's like water and minerals. It's really... It's like got this cool, like almost like a saline quality, like you're standing by the ocean. Definitely salty. And then and some like uh, stone fruits as well, like peach. 
And what else is going on here? Like some caramel notes? There's no wood aging going on on any of these, right? No. So no. let's tap some over our tongue. I already have it on my nose. Mm. <laughs> our tongue. Uh, we're not actually sharing tongues right now. We actually have our own tongues. <laughs> Thank you for your concern. Ooh, that's good. Super buttery. Like the mouth feels really different on this one. Really earthy, like bitter coffee. Oh, what else is in here? Like milk chocolate. It's, it's got this buttery caramel thing going on, which is different. Maybe a higher sugar content in the plant itself that when it was cooked in the earthen oven, it made more of a caramelized sugars in the fruit. Mm. It definitely feels like this one was uh, a little picked a little later, a little riper mm. to me. Wow. Because it definitely has a lot of fruit to it. There's something else going on here. What is that? It's like a leathery. Def like old leather. Yeah, like a leather thing and like clay. I smell like clay, you know, wet clay. Mm. Ooh, I like that coyote a lot. That's very interesting. Very different. I like that. That's an easy sipper. Oh, yeah, I'm getting like really cool like honeydew cantaloupe on the finish. These like really bright fruits pop up on the end there. Very, mm -hmm. very interesting. So complex. And it leads you in so many different directions along the way. And like a coyote. Whoa. Spirit animals running around. I'm on a vision <laughs> quest. I'm starting to trip. We've only had four tastes and I feel great. Long finish too. Long finish. My goodness. What's this, this last mark that you brought in for us today okay. here? So this is uh, from Rena Sanchez. Oh, so uh, Mezcalera. Again, so you guys are getting behind some female producers. That's really cool, which is very much a traditional thing. It just In America, we think it's, it's very much the spirits business is very male-dominated. Yeah. And one of the things that, I mean, I've noticed in my years is slowly that tide is starting to turn. There's always been a lot of women producers that are just now starting to get the attention that they've long deserved. Mm -hmm. And so you guys have a couple different master, master mezcaleras. Absolutely. Um, I don't know her exact age. of Re This is Reina Sanchez. I don't know her exact age, but she's approximately the same age as Berta Vasquez, around you know late 50s, early 60s, something like that. We'll just say she knows what she's doing. Yeah, she's had a lot of practice. All right, all right. <laughs> So, um, and she's in a different village, San Luis Amatalan. So, um, and this is the Tepesate. Okay. So different uh, single agave. And is this a, a bigger village, smaller village? Uh, I do not know. You haven't been to this facility I yet. I haven't been to this facility. Yet. We got to get you down there, man. Well, Come on. I need, I need more than a week there. That's the problem. <laughs> right. Do you need another glass? We have, uh, we have some more glasses right yeah. here. Thank you, sir. Here, fresh yeah, glass absolutely. for beautiful mezcals. All right. So which one is this one by Rihanna? What's your last name? Uh, Sanchez. Rihanna Sanchez. So this is the Tapazate. San Luis Amatlan. San Luis Amatlan or Amatlan. Murdering Spanish. It's terrible. I feel bad inside. We'll get better. Please forgive us. Oh, wow. <laughs> Whoa. So this is huge petrichor. Yeah. Like uh like some gluey like airplane glue thing happening here, but also like pretzels. And uh like this uh like 
hot sauce, like a Tabasco kind of thing happening. Like it's a little vinegary with some chili. Wow. That is awesome smelling. There's a lot going on. And what, what's the varietal here? Tepazate. Oh, Tepazate. So how many years to get these agaves to maturity? Uh, this is 11 years. 11 years. Wow, it's got huge floral notes and a huge earthiness. So it's like bubble gum and a gravel road after a long rain. I'm walking down a gravel road after a long rain with some fresh bubble gum in my mouth, drinking mezcal on my vision quest. I have to learn Spanish. Excuse me, it's not tepazate. It's araqueño. Oh, araqueño, big difference. So got, these these ones can get I, yeah, quite big. This, they can be. I grabbed the I grabbed the other wrong bottle when I left the house. So okay, well roll with the punches. I'm not going to be like get this out of my face. <laughs> it's what from the same this? village, same producer. Wow, so. the Aracano from Resperal, made by Rena. Rena Sanchez. Sanchez. Rena Sanchez. Wow, she's good. It's really, really got a beautiful nose. It's, it's like a huge peaks and valleys just in the nose. And so, um, Eracano, uh is one of those that's mostly wild agave, mm -hmm. and a, one of the agaves that tend to be disappearing. So, one of the things that Alex has uh, helped to do is set up a nursery mm -hmm. um, to replant a lot of these agaves that are tend to disappear. Right. So, and so, like traditionally, I think in the, like traditionally, people are just starting to understand the mezcal world, at least here in Southern California. I. You know, it's been a very um, vertical learning curve, shall we say. Mm -hmm. And so to wrap your head around it, like, why why do they taste the way they do, you know? It's, it's hard to get, that's the mystery of mezcals, like, trying to, like, how do they get these crazy different, such a, a wide variance of flavor profiles from essentially, you know, these different little varietals of, of, of agaves, Um what do you what do you think about the Aracano? And let's talk a little bit about sustainability, because like people have always said that like oh it's these are all wild agaves, no one can get their hands on them. You can't they don't survive if you plant them in a farm situation. If you put them in a row, they won't thrive. Mm -hmm. But then there's other people who have actually started these nurseries and they're finding out that yeah you can grow. They're actually very verdant little plants and they're super resilient and they yeah. will grow if you take good care of them. Well, absolutely. So I visited the nursery that was there, and um, in this little row, you had many plants of espadine or tobala or um, papalome, or um, and it wasn't like it was. It wasn't like they were row, row, row. It was pretty random. But when they get to a certain point, then you know they're going to be they're going to be moved and harvested to and replanted. Replanted. So, replanted. And then waiting and waiting and, and waiting because the beautiful thing about mezcals are that it's all about those individual plants. They have to spend so much time in the wild growing that all of those rich, robust terroir, those earthen notes that come through the distillation, those are all from the plants just surviving on their own out in the desert arid mountains of Oaxaca. It's an amazing, amazing thing. It's not caused by a barrel. It's not caused by like, you know, different cask finishes or anything like that. It's just the agave itself speaking out loud. Mm -hmm. Wow, the Aracano is magnificent. What is that one super expensive? Because it tastes amazing. 
It is the most expensive of the lineup that we have here today. Um, it would be priced um, between 130 and 140 in a Whoa. store. Oh, that is awesome. So damn good. Wow. And moving forward, now how long have you guys been on the market? Um, well, here in California, about a year. Okay, so you guys um, are new. Very new, yep. And what is the future for Resperal? Are you guys having a bunch of new releases coming out in the next year? There will be more releases. Um, there's um, a couple more Mescaleros that are not featured here today that are in the lineup as well. Um, a lot of times, I, I mean, Alex can tell you uh, what is coming out. I can only tell you what we have in stock at the moment. Um, and it's very fluid, though. We will sell out of things fairly quickly, within three to four months of certain items. So, And that's the nature of the Mezcal world right now. That's the cowboy country we live in. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, Michael Tesseract from Resperal Mezcal, thank you so much for coming down to Las Perlas tonight, educating us on your incredible line of Mezcals. Really exciting ancestral style, artistically made Mezcals coming to Southern California and perhaps a liquor store near you. You can always ask at your little mom and pop store for Resperal Mezcal, right? If and, yeah, and they'll they'll sort it out and, and we'll get it to them. Right on. Right on. Well, good luck in sustaining this endeavor, making it a sustainable product that you guys can both bring fair trade to the people who are making it and also incredible mezcals to all these, you know, uh, avid fans here in Southern California and the rest of the United States. Thanks so much for coming out today and talking to us for the Spirits Guys Society podcast. Boom. Check it out. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. The Spirit Guide Society is a Spirit Adventures production in association with Bitten from the Apple Productions. Special thanks to Tone Mesa for their post-production and audio services. The show is produced by Andrew Apple and me, Pedro Shanahan. Executive producer, Andrew Abrahamson. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spirit Guide SOC. We'll be there to answer any questions you have, share what we're drinking, and more. And if you're still thirsty, you can always find more episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to always drink responsibly. That means don't drink to forget, drink to remember. Remember.